Hi everyone and welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Simon Gwilliam joining me today. Simon, thank you for joining me on the show. Hello, how are you? Simon runs Un- Unbreakable, which is a program for women that want to get the best out of themselves and their life. So I thought we'd start with, with your background, if that's all right. So would you be able to, to share with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Yeah, so um, I was born in Herefordshire. I don't know if you know where that is, Hereford. Um, yes, it was, I suppose all, it was a, your average upbringing, really, Michael. You know, it was um, played a lot of sport, played a lot of football. Football was my main sport as a, as a kid. Loved football. You know, like every kid, I probably thought I was going to be a football player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I went through that little journey. Um, I actually left school at 16, didn't go to college. Um, and, you know, I went and actually played football from there for a couple of years at the local football club, Hereford United, and they were a professional football club at the time. Ah. Yeah. So that, that didn't really pan out. I'd love to give you some brilliant reason why, but it was probably just because I wasn't good enough. Um, mm. And then, yeah, from there, well, that's, that's my youth, basically. I know that's not the most exciting answer, but yeah, all I did was um, leave school, play football for a couple of years until about 19. So, yeah. All right, so just, just out of interest, I mean, what's it like playing for an academy then? So there's obviously a big difference between your, your local club and then lo and behold, you're now entering a professional football academy. So what's, what's the transition like? What, what's it actually like with actually playing for a professional academy and team? Yeah, it's, um, I'll be honest, it's, it's hard work. I mean, it is. It's, um, you're constantly wanting to make the grade, so to speak. That's all you're worried about. And that's probably why things didn't work out for me, but that's all you're worried about as a kid. You're worried, am I going to make it through the next stage, so to speak, as you work? You know, I was in football clubs from 12, you know, to 18, and you're constantly, are you going to get get your next contract? Are you going to get signed on next year? Or are you Mm. going to be released? You know, you're not going to be good enough. So, I mean, it's a great experience, but I probably didn't enjoy it as much as you could. Because all I kept, all I was worried about was, am I going to be, you know, am I going to make it? Am I going to be good enough? So, yeah. Right. So was was it kind of like early starts and long days? Was it, you know, were you always training? Were you kind of training like an athlete from an early age? What was what what was that side of things like? Uh, yeah, well, that's how I got into fitness. Because I'm I'm always been small. I was always you know a small kid for my age. So and I was always real skinny, and that's what sparked my interest in. You know, in training, really getting bigger. That's when I went through that stage of thinking I need to get bigger. You know, to be a footballer, I need to get bigger, stronger, faster. Um, and again, is it long days? No, it's not long days. <laughs> when you get to sixteen, seventeen, I would train most days, every day. You know, Monday to Friday. And you didn't play on a Saturday then. We played midweek, so I'd play every Tuesday evening. So Monday to Friday, you train, and then you were sort of college work in the afternoon that was on like a sports diploma or something like that but if at that point you know everyone like I said everyone wants to be a football player you kind of think ah sod, sod the sports diploma in the afternoon yeah I'm gonna be a football player um yeah. but you know it was quite a laid back it's quite a laid back environment being at a football club well I found anyway certainly mm. so yeah no no massive long days that's, that happens when I went to work. That's a shock to the system, isn't it? All of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden you go yeah. all day. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what what happened after football then? So you you got out at, at nineteen, if I remember correctly, and then yeah, what, what happened next? Eighteen, nineteen. Um, you know, you get released. I mean, I wasn't at a man. It wasn't like I was at Man United or you know Aston Villa. I mean, I was at Aston Villa's academy as a kid. But so when I got released, you're like, right? You know, we were like um, a back then. I think it was Division Three clubs. So you're like, right? Okay, there's no. You know, you go and play sort of semi-professional football on the weekend. And I suppose I kind of still thought, well, you know, I can make a career out of football. And I just went to work at. I went to work, actually went to work at a local supermarket, but it's Safeway. Went to right. As a kind of, oh, I'll just work here interim, you know, while I figure out what I'm going to do. Um, and I ended up staying there about eight years. <laughs> so it's a long, right, long, wow. <laughs> long interim. Yeah. Massive. There you go. Right. So what, so did you actually decide what you wanted to do after those eight years? What sort of led up to you deciding to, to leave and, uh, and do something different? Um, have you ever worked at a supermarket? That's an interesting question. I'm asking you a question, eh? Ever worked at one? <laughs> I haven't worked at a supermarket, no. Well, it's cool. Like, no disrespect to anyone who works at a supermarket. I was there eight years. But it's one of them sort of environments you, you go and it's either like quite older people or quite young people, you know what I mean, out of college looking for a job. And I was lucky. I had like a young-ish department and we used to have a good laugh and it was, it was good fun. It's my first job. I, I'd never had a job till then. I'd always just played football. So... What made me think of leaving, um, at some point you start weighing up, do I really want to stack shelves for the rest of my life? You know, no disrespect to anyone who does that because I did it and I enjoyed it. But like you do think to yourself, do I want to be in here day in, day out doing this? And you think, not really. But you get stuck in this cycle of everyone's, st- you know, you become like a lifer there. It's that environment where everyone just stays there. You know, it's quite easy. It's you rock up, do your shift, go home. And at that point, I was massively into the gym because like, I'd come from a sporting background. I was just spending my time living at home, working at the supermarket and just lifting weights. And it wasn't no grand plan. I just thought, you know, I'm pretty good at getting fit. Maybe I could help other people get fit. And then someone said, hey, you should be a gym instructor. And you're like, yeah, maybe I should. And I probably thought that about four years in to being at the supermarket. You know, and in the end, it took... I say I was there eight. I was probably there about six, seven, actually, in, in, in more hindsight. You know, it took me a couple of years to actually do it, like, you know, actually go, right, I'm going to get out of here and do something with myself. So, yeah. yeah. What sort of things did you tell yourself then that, that convinced you to do it? So I, I would imagine that there were a lot of people that are maybe in a similar situation. They may be, like, talking themselves into doing something that they probably really want to do. But then, as you say, they sort of get stuck in the, they're in that cycle of doing something that, <coughs> excuse me, they're in that cycle of, well, I, I do enjoy it. It's not that I don't enjoy it, but I don't imagine doing this for the rest of my life. But what, what was the, what, what, what was the, the internal dialogue, so to speak? What sort of things did you tell yourself that actually made you go over the ledge and actually take the action? Um, again, being at this point, I was probably, you know, I, I, at this point, I was one of those people that never did anything. Like I had a lot of ideas, but like, like anyone listening will know. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care who it is. You, we go through this. You want to do something, you find a million reasons it won't work. 
a million reasons it ain't going to happen, a million reasons you can't do it, or maybe next year. You know, for me, it was always, uh, you know, I, I, when I get some more money behind me, or it's too expensive, or, or you know, oh, maybe the gym ain't for me. Maybe I've got to set up my business, you know, like a personal training business before I do it. You know, we come up with all these reasons. And it was, mine was a chance thing, really. At this point, I probably didn't know much about breaking that cycle. And it was just a chance thing. I, I, I requested a prospectus from Future Fit Training or something like that. And they rung me and they basically sold me into the program. <laughs> like, right. I don't want to do it, but they were like, look, you know, there's this course and, 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 and do you want to do it? And I, and I kind of got talked into it and I had no money. And my mum had no money. I was living with my mum and dad. And um, basically I, I rung her and said, look, I need to pay for this course. And she said, oh, I'll put it on my credit card for you. Um, and that was that. She paid for it. And I suppose I was in and I had to do it. Even though I probably find a million reasons not to do it. I kind of had to. I, I was forced in, you know, forced into it by committing to it, so to speak. Yeah. Mm. I mean, how, how important would you say that was then? So there's something that I experienced myself where if, if it's out of your hands, so to speak. So when you mentioned that someone else paid for it, so... That, that was it like the the main reason why you couldn't do it not being able to afford it was already taken care of by by like some kind of outside force almost yeah. so I've, it's something that's happened to me whereby I've, I've had all these reasons why i can't but then someone kind of steps in and says well if i do it or you know sometimes i've actually had things dropped on me and said you're doing this um and i've, I've had to say right okay and I've, then i've just had to figure it out you know yeah. uh, so so how important would you say it was the kind of there's this level of commitment but then there's this like you've got no reason why to say no like you've, you've had all the boxes ticked what, what, what are your thoughts on that yeah i think um look i'm a big believer in you don't you know, we, we, as humans, we always try and figure stuff out. We need to figure that we need all the answers before we do everything. Well, I need all the answers. It doesn't matter if I want to lose weight, get fit, be happy, make more money. You know, all the things we help people with and you help people with probably. You, we feel like we have to have all the answers before we start. But the reality is this. You're going to get the answers on the way, aren't you? And for me, that was just, I suppose, looking back, I never thought about it like this, but having someone just book it, well, then all of a sudden I had to work through all the answers on the, on the route to it. Do you know what I mean? It took my, my main excuse away. It was booked. Yeah. I was committed. And now I've got to figure the answers out along the way. You know, I never had them, but, <laughs> but you figure <laughs> them out as you go. And, yeah. and I think that's the, in, again, in my experience, if you don't set anything, I mean, we're going off on a tangent now, but if you don't accept anything as a commitment, as a target, then you'll spend all year spinning your heels and, 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 and not moving because there's nothing to move towards, is there? Mm. so for me set, having an external kind of someone who you know and having a date and a, and a someone who paid for it and and all these different things you know i had something to work towards and like you said along the way you figure out you figure out the answers don't you yeah all right so did you actually start up the, the personal training business what was the, the course like what what was the um the next step for you after the, the course that you went on well even the course the course you know, it was just a basic level two course. And, you know, you know, the, the fitness industry is a hugely popular industry now. Isn't it? And I'm talking, I must have done this, what am I now, 32. So about eight, seven years ago. It's not a massive amount of time. 
And, you know, it was my first, I suppose it was a massive thing for me. It was my first step. I went, I passed it, you know, I passed it with, with, with high marks. And, and then I suppose you think you're going to be the world's best trainer and you're going to get a job and you're going to get a job in the gym and it's going to be easy. And then I realized, shit, you know, it, 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 everyone, it's hard to get a job in a gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. It's hard to get a job in a gym. It's not that easy. I thought I'd just walk into a job. Because no, and it took it must have took me about a year of working, you know, casual shifts at the local leisure center before they even gave me a part time position before it had come up, and then, and from there it was, you know, dropping I drop hours at the supermarket. The more I got at, at the gym, and until eventually, you know, I became full time at the gym, um, just working at a gym, not personal training anywhere, and just get, I'm just on the floor working with loads of different people. Um, and I managed to managed to leave the supermarket. My last, yeah, managed to leave it, which was cool. So, All right, awesome. So, how, how how did you get into the the kind of current business that you're running? So, what what led up to you deciding, right? I'm I'm going to help women now to to kind of better themselves and improve uh, yeah. their their life. What was the uh, the turning point for you there? Well, I suppose it's a little bit, it went through a few stages really. started working at a gym and, you know, at that point I was very into my own level of training and fitness. Like everyone who gets into fitness, you're generally into your own fitness, aren't you? And you, mm. you like training and you like learning about it. And you start working at the gym and I suppose it's, it's human nature that when you get to, you know, to one point, you, you, you immediately look at what's next. The more you do, the more you see what's possible. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe I, you know, this gym's all right, but I want to do my own thing. You know, like I'd like to work with some people. So then I started doing a bit of personal training. And then I stumbled across Mr. Paul Moore, the boot camp, the boot camp king. And I was mm-hmm. like, right, I need to run a boot camp. So, yeah, so I went into, started a little part-time boot camp, a bit like I did with the, with the supermarket and the sort of gym. I started cutting down my hours at the gym, doing more boot camps. Just for it was started off mixed, and then it went just to women only, just because that was the market we attracted predominantly. And it went from there. Really, we just worked solely for, on fitness for years and helping people lose weight, helping people get fit. Um, but the, you know, for your question, for me, my when I started Unbreakable, which is where we help people across every area of life. It was because I had a, you know, I started that for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I started trying to overcome all my sort of crap, you know, my limiting beliefs and all the goals I sort of had but never really went for. And, you know, my own mindset, which was all over the shop and, and not a healthy one, you know, and, and I started thinking, well, I want this out of life and I'm not sure how to get it. So I got into all that for me. I mean, I actually started with Paul. Paul did a a program called um accelerate which was a bit mindset orientated i went through that and you think god this, this is helping me loads and the more i improve my own sort of life across all areas and challenge myself you think you, you know like fitness you think i want to share this i want to share it so you start sharing it with people and before you know it people are like yeah this is great i'm getting some great results and it built and built and built into now we help people from all over the uk you know so all ah, right it it literally it literally started from me trying to better myself. Do you know what I mean? I didn't do it because I thought, well, I can do this and I'll be able to teach it like, like a course. It was like, God, I just want to get, I want to better myself. And the more you do it, the more you want to share it. And the more you share it, you know, 
the better you become and 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 it built up and just evolved as it went really it wasn't really the plan <laughs> to help loads of people across you know across all these areas but it just happened so right okay cool so this is going to be definitely a tangent um but i'm curious to know at what point did you decide to just help women and then were there any barriers for, for you as a guy to help women so for, for my own experience there's always this barrier of women wanting to stick together so to speak but then you're a guy helping women in in areas of their life where they might actually they might actually have a bit of resistance around it i mean you, you could correct me if i'm wrong on that but um well, no, there's yeah. Always resistance. yeah there's always resistance so i mean again for I'm not going to lie. It's not. It's not an easy. I mean, to use a word, sell. But you know, what I mean, not as in financially. But sometimes it's not an easy sell being a man helping women. You know, and we get a lot of stick online. You know, you know, off a lot of people. You know, by how it. You know, how can you be a man and help a woman? How can you know how a woman feels? How can you know how a woman thinks? Especially the nature of the work we do. Or you know, I'm not accepting help off a man, and that's the minority. There's always that minority. You know. So I'll be honest, it's not been easy to, to do that. But I mean, in regards to help anyone, you've got to win. You've got to show people that you're trustworthy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that they can trust, they can trust you. Um, I have found no better way to do that than just be me. I don't, I don't go out and think, how am I going to target women? I mean, let's target women and let's talk like a woman. If you ever, you know, people who f- follow us, it's, you know, I talk like me. I talk like this. I, I don't talk like and try and feminine it down. And people will say, okay, I'll do some for, for your group, but do you want me to be a bit, you know, t- tone it down a bit? I'm like, no, because that's not how we, we roll. <laughs> you know, I am me, whether I'm coaching a man or a woman. And that Im- immediately wins some trust. Because I, when I talk about my struggles, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You have the same struggles. You have the same internal battles. There's not a man or a woman that's never felt maybe not quite good enough. Maybe, you know, afraid of the unknown, of taking that step towards their, their goal. There's not a person, you know, a person on earth who's probably never felt like, you know, they don't feel great in themselves or don't believe in themselves or who has not experienced anxiety. So for me, I, when people ask me, how can you coach a woman being a man? I'll always say, look, we are, there's nothing unique Generally, we are all human beings. We all have the same minds. And surely it's dressed up differently. It's, you know, there's different roles people play in society or whatever. Oh, my God. But um, the, uh, in general, I am talking, when I talk, I'm talking to me. And, and, that, and that attracts people with a similar issue. And if it's women, it's women, you know. But like I say, for me, one of the big things I believe is, we're not unique and special in the way that we don't, we don't all think differently. Um, we all think roughly the same. We all have the same issues and they just need, you know, whether you're a man or a woman. So yeah, I've rattled on a bit there, but I mean, I don't get passionate about it at all. I just think if you make yourself, if you make yourself, you know, unhelpable, Sorry, mate, me flipping, my phone's ringing. If you make yourself... <laughs> it's okay. I knew that, I told you that would happen, didn't I, before we started? You did, you did, yeah. No one ever rings the phone, but someone's going to ring it when we do this. 
You've been um, quiet all day, I bet, as well. Yeah, oh, we'll be known to ring me after as well. It'll be something stupid as well. It'd be me, mum. Your mum asked me. <laughs> but the, um, Love it. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I can't remember where I was going with it now, but I've had some... Some of the biggest influences in my life have been a woman. So, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's... I guess it's trying to... We, I'm not too sure if it's an education thing or whether it's just trying to, to show like the real them, so to speak, so that we can kind of see how similar we are. Because, yeah, we are different in some ways. And, yeah, there are some things that we will never really be able to understand just because, you know, we're not men or we're not women. But there are so many, there are so many similarities as well that it, it, can prove, it can prove quite easy to, to show that. I mean, is it, is it always about trying to show how we're the same to make it easier to, to almost for us guys and girls to get along, so to speak? I mean, what's it like in terms of trying to show how similar that we are? Uh, again, I suppose this goes back to when, I, when I'm putting out, let's say how anyone attracts anyone through putting out content, I don't know, Facebook. I'm never writing it for anyone. I'm writing it for me. I'm just talking to me when I'm talking about the issues. I'm talking about issues I've had when I'm talking about problems I've got now or things I want now. I'm just talking about what I want and, and where I'm at. Anything I ever do is, and it's the same. I'd have everyone consider it's the same for anyone who puts stuff out. You're always almost talking to yourself. And, and for me, I'm, I suppose I'm not trying to prove that we're the same. I'm just being me and going, well, if you are the same, and if you can relate to these issues, come work with me. If you can't relate to these, these things, these desires to get better and, you know, these desires to change things. And if you can't relate to the sort of obstacles that have been in my way and currently do still sit in my way, um, then, you know, you're not going to work with me. <laughs> but if you can, you're going to go, actually, yeah, he gets it. Um, I'm just, I just generally try and show up every day as the most honest version of myself. I know that sounds a bit, I don't know, maybe a bit cliche, but that's the only way I've really know how to do things. But um, I will say, like you said, like there is so many similarities and, it, and I think in, in any area of life, we always try and focus on what's different, don't we? Like, it's like training. Most people agree on 99% of training, <laughs> but they really obsess and argue over the 1% we don't, you know? Similarly. Is, 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 is there a reason for that in your experience, though? So why, why do we seem to focus on, on how everything seems to be different from the way we see it as opposed to focusing on how things are the same? That's a good question, isn't it? I think, again, that's a great question. I like it. I mean, my most honest, blunt answer from my own experience when I've been like, wow, that's different for me. Yeah, but you probably don't understand this. It's protection, isn't it? You know? It's protection. It means, it means that no one can help me. It means, yeah, actually, I am different. I'm, I'm very unique, and actually, I'm unhelpable right now because actually, you don't understand this about me, or you don't understand that, or you're not. I used to be like this. Ah, that's all right for you. You know, you don't. Yeah, that's all right for you. But actually, that isolates us and keeps us stuck. And that kept me stuck for a long time in my life. It took me a long time to, to actually reach out to people and go, actually, you know what? yeah, you can help me. <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I should get some help here and, and, and learn from someone who does know and leave my differences, so-called differences to one side. Um, I think we do it sometimes in my experience and a huge amount of the time because it means, 
you know, we don't have to change or challenge ourselves a little bit. I mean, maybe that's a little bit <laughs> direct or, um, <laughs> but in my, in my experience, we coach a lot, a lot of people, maybe, a, you know, sort of 70, 80 people a month in different various things. And if someone thinks they're un- unique, I mean, we're all unique in the fact we're unique individuals, but if someone thinks, well, actually, you know, my, I've got it worse than everyone else, then that, that's, that becomes a very hard person to help. And I've been it's, that person. Yeah, it, it also seems like it kind of feeds itself. So like the more you close yourself off and the more that you, you say, well, you don't understand. Well, we're going to probably understand a lot less because you kind of close yourself off and then it makes it even harder for you to understand that we might be able to, to help, we might be able to understand, we might be able to relate to you, but because you're not actually... You're not actually sharing it. You're not actually allowing it to go out there. It makes it even harder for us to do that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. The it, the more you feed it, I suppose, the worse it gets. And you, I mean, I, I haven't been that kind of person. And we all we all go into that mode, don't we? Of like, ah, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. worse than me or different for me, different for me kind of attitude. We all go into it, and it's hard for a lot of people because. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I don't mean it disrespectfully. You know, it's it is. We're always always trying to make ourselves feel better, and and that just makes us feel better, don't it? It keeps us safe from from change. So for most of us, it is just a safety mechanism. I feel, and that, and, and you've got once you understand that, it's it's okay. So, well, how how would we have this more positive? I guess relationship for want of a better expression with this idea of change then so you work with quite a lot of people I would imagine you've had to have a conversation around look yeah it is change yeah it is different but you've got to have this this positive attitude towards it what's that conversation like yeah what's that conversation like I mean from the offset if one thing you can only well as you know you can only if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result, aren't you? And I think it's just educating, you know, when someone comes work with us, it's educating them on that. Actually, look, you don't have to beat yourself up about not changing, you know, about what you're doing. But at the same time, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're only going to get what you've got. And if you don't want that, then there needs to be an element of, change you know change as a bad word there needs to be an element of change either in the way you think the way you feel the way you talk what you do whatever it is and it doesn't have to be massive steps does it you know if we're just shifting in our program if we're just shifting someone you know that one degree a day i'm not you know we set targets we work towards them and they may be quite they're quite big but that doesn't necessarily mean you need big action for me change is scary when you make it big, huge, giant steps every day. But when you make it small, little manageable steps that build a lot of momentum, that's a lot less intimidating for people. Um, in my experience. Right. So would you say that the breaking things down has become this, this, this way of making change happen then? So I think, I think a lot of people tend to feel like the big goals that maybe they have or maybe too big for them to achieve it. Like it's not realistic or it's just yeah. too big for them to actually start. But there's, there's, there's that quote, I can't remember who, who said it, where you don't need to see the whole staircase to take the first step. You know, you need to take, you just need to see that, 
that step? I mean, how, how important has it been for the people that you've worked with to break those things down into manageable chunks? Yeah, it goes back to what we said at the start, really. I mean, you don't have to have all the answers. That's what I mean. People, people sort of go, well, we set look rather than going, okay, here's what I want. Here's what I want out of life. Here's what I want out of my body. doesn't matter if you're changing your body even or, or, or your business or anything in life. Like, here's, if you don't actually say what you want, you know what I mean, people filter it down because they're like, well, I'm going to go with what I think is possible or what I think is achievable. And what's possible and achievable, you, you generally already have. <laughs> you know, you know how to do it. Well, I, and, and that's not, for me, I'll always go to get people to, what is it you want? Like, what is it you truly want? You know, where are you right now? What are the facts? Now, what do you truly want? Well, I'd like this. And you're not going to know the answers to get there. And you're not going to know how to do it. If you knew how to do it, you'd already have it. And from that point, like you say, it becomes taking the first step. And, and we're a big, you know, big, big, we push a lot on people that the, the journey, the process is where you become the person, you know? Hmm. Taking those steps is where you become the person. Okay, I've, in 90 days, I'm, I'm there. I've, I've got close to my target. Um, and I'm a completely upgraded version of myself, someone who is capable of, of pulling off that target. But yeah, it is a um, breaking things down and making them, as soon as you say to yourself, my target's big or the brain doesn't like big things, does it? You know, my mind doesn't, <laughs> my brain doesn't <laughs> like big things. You know, it, it looks at it and goes, wow, am I going to do that? But actually when you break it down, well, actually, can I just do this this week? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And then next week, do the same. Well, actually, can I do this this week? Yeah, I can do that. And if you're just breaking it down to what I need to do on a weekly basis and make it so easy that you can't not do it, you know, you'll be surprised what you achieve in a few months. Yeah. Have you got any strategies for us to make things really, really easy? Like it seems, well, it seems to me at least, that you, you've got this definite... Yeah, you're making very, very specific steps to make it as as simple and as easy as possible. To almost make it, it almost makes it impossible to not take action because you break everything down and and how to make it easy. Have you actually got any strategies that we could use or any certain processes that you could take us through? Um, no, let me have a think about breaking things down, making it easy. The one thing, okay, one thing I'm, I'm big into in our pro, in our, especially in our program is look, you take each day as it comes as you, you've got to, you've got to have, um, we do, um, I mean, to break it down, we have a 90 day target. It's part of a bigger target. I mean, I won't bore everyone going into it, but we have a 90 day. Here's what I want to achieve. And it either has to be an event or a number. And I know that sounds a bit strange, but it has to be something you can either wake up and go, Oh, I've done that. Or it has to be like, Oh, I've hit that number. And, and it can be anything. And again, I won't, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's body or improving your mindset or increasing your business. We go on an event or a number, not a feeling. Like I'm not going to feel better in 90 days because I could wake up, you know, my dog's flipping pedal over the carpet and all of a sudden I'm, I'm checking in and I'm, this happens. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now my emotions are, you know, I'm, feelings are always variable, aren't they? So we always have a 90 day sort of target. And from there, we just break it down like most people would do to where do I need to be at 30 days, you know, and we have another little target. And this, this is quite a common theme, but okay, what do I need to do this week? Now, the thing is people set two bigger, bigger goals. I, I don't know who said it, but we overestimate what we can do in a week 
and we underestimate what we can do in a year. Right. People kind of think, and this is just like my experience, people, and I've been there, people sort of think, well, I've got, I've got this big goal, so I need to do massive steps. And massive steps become off-putting, and we, we, we get overwhelmed thinking, I've got to do all these big things this week. And that stops us taking action. And when we don't take action, we don't move. So we literally ask, you know, it's very personalized. The person sets the plan themselves. Okay, what is the one thing you know you can do this week that will move you closer? You know, what, not what you should do, what, not what you think you have to do. What can you do? What do you think is the one thing you can do this week? And that might be a daily thing. So if you're trying to improve your mindset, okay, what can you do? What do you tell me what you can do every day that you know you can do that will improve your mindset? And people might say, oh, I don't know. I could meditate for 10 minutes. Brilliant. But, you know, start, you know, which is completely the opposite to most people. Like, oh, I'm going to meditate all day. I'm going to meditate for three hours a day, all day, every day now, because I'm into it. Well, we just go, what can you do? 10 minutes. Okay. And all I want to build is momentum. All I want is momentum. For most people, there's momentum going in one direction, like it's not helping us. So we, it's hard to bring that back and get momentum in your favor when you're trying to just do massive things. So we say, okay, 10 minutes doesn't sound like a lot. If they couldn't do 10 minutes, I'd say, let's do five. Oh, can you do five? Yeah, I can do five. Brilliant. Because that five minutes a couple of weeks down the road has turned into 20. And, and then they're doing 20 minutes a day. But if they set 20 minutes, it's, ne- it's, it's never, it's never going to stick. So I just want to make it as small as possible when people start working with us, no matter what level they come in at, what's the, you know, and in my own life, what can I do that is building momentum? So five minutes, five, even if it's five minutes of sweat, people say to me, oh, that's not enough, but you're doing nothing right now. So, so yeah. five minutes is more than you were doing. And, and when you get the habit built into your day, all of a sudden you go, well, actually I've got 10 minutes. And then one day you do 15 because you've got a bit more time. And then before you know it, that's turned into 25, 30 minutes. And then you're, you're exercising a bit harder in the evening because you're building momentum and you're building. That's all I want in my programs is momentum. Can we get momentum on our side rather than going against us? And that has to be broken down into the, you know, like I, if you're struggling, I'll always ask myself, what's the one thing I know? Make it so easy. I can't do it. You can't not do it. You know, and, and the first week you may not experience great results, but I guarantee 90 days down the line, your experience fantastic results uh, and that's what we're after so yeah well one of the uh, the key things that seems to come across at least is there's an element of, of convenience involved i mean i know like you've got to you still got to do it right so it's, you still yeah. got to take the action but there's this element of okay well what can you do just pick something make it so small that you can't not do it it adds it has this element of convenience to it i mean what what are your thoughts on that as in, do, do I think, yeah, convenience is a big part or? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, one of the, um, the, the big things that seems to be popular now, at least in the, the exercise space, is doing, is doing workouts at home that require as little equipment as possible. You know, yeah. there's this idea behind bodyweight workouts and things of that nature is, is it just makes it like really, really convenient but then people are getting results, not necessarily because of the workouts, although, you know, they could be, they could be very effective as workouts, but they've made it really, really easy for people to work out potentially every day, twice a day, whatever it happens to be, but they're getting results probably, as you say, because of the momentum versus 
you know, how hard they're actually working at that time, the fact that you're doing it every day is probably why you're getting the results. Yeah, I think there's a big argument in there. You, we can sit around and argue all day about the perfect, you know, training program or the perfect, yes, you know, I used meditation five minutes ago. There's people who say, well, there's no point meditating unless you're doing X amount of time, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, because that's where you're going to get the most benefit, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, that probably is the best way. Like there's a best way to train. There is a, there's probably, there is that way for a certain goal, but would you rather someone not do anything? <laughs> you know, like, okay. So I can't do that. So now, now I'm doing nothing. And like, I'm, I'm quite happy to, you know, is what's like, is the old saying, what's, um, you know, it's better to do a, it's better to do a bad plan consistently or not, you know, a not, a not great plan consistently than it is the perfect plan. Like never. Yeah. For me, our, all, the, t- the key things we want is frequency and intensity. We just want people to be doing things frequently. Um, so, yeah, I think convenience, I mean, we are just trying to remove as many barriers as possible early on. So, let, uh, you know, if someone's going to do something, we want, okay, we don't want there to be too many barriers in, in their way because this is what I find work for me. I can get, I can give, I can create enough barriers, you know, without adding lemon yeah. I've got to go to the gym now. I've got to get up and meditate for 30 minutes. Then I've got to hum for 10 minutes and I've got to fill in my book for 40 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I better get up at four o'clock in the morning before I get the kids to school. You know, that's, it's, it's, for me, that's not going to work. We want to make it as quick as, as effective and as frequent as possible. So yeah, early on, especially. Awesome. Yeah. Um, have you noticed any any common trends? So with with the women that you've worked with, have you noticed anything that's been has been quite popular? Have you noticed anything that you think is something that a lot of women do experience when it comes to improving themselves or improving their life or or taking the steps with the fitness side? I know we've mentioned fitness quite a bit now, but we can kind of diversify from that if if you feel that you want to, Simon. Um, yeah. what, what, what common trends do you see? As in what people like doing or what, what common problems or... Um, well, we'll, we'll probably get into both. So start with the things that you think are probably the most beneficial and then we'll go with the, the things that people should probably avoid doing. Yeah, I think for the most beneficial things for most, for the women, we have a system we use, but the most beneficial thing for the app, for the woman who wants to, to make progress or, or you have to, for me, everything starts in your mind. I mean, like you said, we've touched upon fitness and that's my, where I originally started. Um, but any change follows the same principle, but there is always an element of doubt. You know, there's always, always an element of anytime you're trying to achieve the unknown, there's an element of doubt. There's an element of, you know, nerves, anxiety, different things, you know, not, and people, you say anxiety and people think of like debilitating anxiety, but I mean, just a little bit like, Oh God, can I do that? An element of self doubt. Um, and for me, if I had to pick one thing people could do out of our system would be, you know, the element of using a journal properly. And I, I say properly because for me, a lot of people don't use a journal properly. I mean, that's just personal preference, but in, in sitting down and actually in the morning, arranging your thoughts. But really, for me, that's training your attention. That's all we use a journal for. Is my attention on, on things that are good and helping me or is my attention on everything that's wrong? 
and all the problems I have and my good, my journaling, how I feel. And that's like an error I see most people make. But the majority of women who come to us go, Oh my God, I feel so much better for journaling how we journal than they, everyone's had a go at it, but it's generally, I feel bad. I feel this or last night, yesterday was terrible. And, and what it does is put it back in your attention and, 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 you know, every time you think something, generally after that, you're going to feel a certain way and it makes people feel crap. And then when you feel crap, you don't do things. So from the element of using a, pro- a journal properly and, and writing down things that, you know, that you feel are going well for you every day, that you feel you have, that you appreciate about you, not just about life. Like I appreciate, you know, my dog. I'm talking about my dog a lot today. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, things that you like about you, not what you don't like. And train your attention to see that and to train it and to see it and you'll, you'll end up feeling it. So for me, one of the common things we do is, is journaling in a, in a certain way and it's quick, it's easy, and it's powerful. I don't know anyone who doesn't say journaling is powerful. That's one thing I definitely do for all people. And if I had to add a second thing, I'd say move. Again, we might encourage someone to move for four minutes in the morning, but I want, to sh- I want you to shift your mental state to things that make you feel good. Like, wow, that makes me feel good. Great. And then I want, you to, I want us to shift our physical state to things that make me feel good physically, like to raise my energy levels and shift that little low mood that maybe I've woke up in or that stress mood. And initially, I've, I've started the day with you know, 15 minutes that's, that's left me in a better state than when I woke up. That's what I would say. Okay, awesome. Well, we are, you're getting quite close to the end now, Simon. So just the last, last couple of questions for you. And the first one would be, do you have any, any books that you'd recommend or any like really powerful books you recommended to our listeners that want to, to better themselves? Maybe it is down the fitness road, maybe it is down the, the mindset road, but what books would you recommend? Well, books, I'm a, let's have a quick look across my shelf in front of me. Um, some of the, the best books that I would say most people, I would encourage from my own experience. Um, so, you know, Loving What Is, Byron Katie is a very popular book these days um, and a great book, especially uh, that would be more down the element of, of your mindset, you know, and, 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 and thoughts and things like that. But very, very simple, very easy, incredible. I love I don't know. I love anything by um, Stephen Pressfield. Sort of the War of Art is a good book that we recommend to our to the guys who come for our program. Um, that talks about resistance and <laughs> and how you know we, we all face resistance, right? In trying to change mm-hmm. things, you know, doesn't matter what it is. And it talks you through that. Like it's real nice. He's a, he's a um, also a fiction author, so it's written real nice. You know, real yeah. easy to read and it's not too heavy, but it makes sense. And, and I like stuff like that. And I suppose I'll be, you know, the one thing is a, is a great book and that's, well, ironic. You know, that is all about the one thing, which I suppose we've spoken about breaking things down into what's the one thing. What's the one thing you can do. Okay. What's the one thing you can do. What's the one thing you want. What's the one thing you can do. I mean, I've probably given the plot away there, aren't I? But yeah, it's all about the one thing. Yeah, you could probably read that book in ten minutes, you know. But yeah, you could, yeah. yeah, okay, one thing. I get it now. But it takes Just skip yeah. to the end. <laughs> yeah, ah, it's all about the one thing. I get it now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's. I would definitely go along, along the lines of those three. Loving what is 
I like that book, The War of Art and The One Thing. You get a nice mix then. Because, I mean, like, without going on, everyone knows, we all know what to do, right? To get fit and to get healthy and to be happy and make, make money. And we all kind of know what to do. Just don't really do it. There's an element of us that doesn't do it. There's an element that resists it or, um, you know, stops us doing it. Whether it's a bit of diet or whether it's a bit of, you know, almost can't be bothered or we're tired and we're exhausted from our life. We don't do it. So, so the books I would recommend would go around helping you do the things, you know, but just don't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, do you have any, any resources that you'd recommend? So these could be apps, these could be websites, these could be, you know, whatever it happens to be. So we've done books. What about resources that you'd recommend? What about resources? I'll be honest, I'm not a massive user of apps. I don't even have a mobile phone, which is crazy, I suppose. So app-wise, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not a big user of apps. Again, uh, what would I say? What, what, let me just have a quick glance at my phone. What, what am I using? Okay, Insight Timer is a great app. That's the only app I really use. And that is um, for meditation. It's full of loads of different styles of meditation. It's full of, like, it tracks how many minutes you've done this, you know, what your average is, what sort of winning streak you're on. Um, yeah, all those, all those different things. I'd say that's the only app I really use. We try and keep as many of our guys offline as possible. All right, excellent. Thanks for that. I'll definitely check the books out and the resources out. Just before we, we get to our final question, Simon, um, if someone wanted to find out more about you, where, where would they go? So these could be websites, these could be, you know, social media, whatever the case happens to be. So where could people go if they wanted to find out a bit more about you? Yeah, so, I mean, online, it would be Unbreakable Live, not life, but live, as in it's live. So unbreakablelive.co.uk. Um, and we got our podcast, like our little fuel podcast on there and, sort of some guides we give away and different things. Um, and on Facebook, it's just literally Simon Gwillem. Um, yes, our fam, the business page is Simon Gwillem. And that is, yeah, Simon Gwillem. And I think my profile picture is me with a lot of writing all over my face. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you do. <laughs> so that's, that's, we, that's the sort of page we use for all our different programs and stuff like that so yeah they're the two places we're not on not on anything else so yeah it's um the website or the facebook at the minute all right cool and for our last question simon before we, we finish is what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know no that's a question isn't it? <laughs> we've, we've had all kinds as well so we've had like funny answers we've had yeah you name it you, you can blow everything wide open with this answer what would the world, what would I like the world to know that it doesn't know about me? Mate, that's the hardest question you've asked me. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what the world doesn't know about me. Is there something it, it doesn't know about me? Um, God, where are we going to go with this? What would I like the world, so what is it? What would I like the world to know about me that it doesn't already know about me? Yeah. Probably that I, I listen to classical music all the time, non-stop. I mean, I'd like the world to know that about me. All the time. 
I mean, it's so, I love classical music. People find that a bit weird, a bit strange. Especially when they meet me with my attitude, they're like, oh, we didn't have you down as that. But that's probably the most, that's probably the most boring answer I can give you. I was trying to think of something real juicy, but I haven't got anything. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, we've, we've had favorite foods and all kinds of sounds. So, um, yeah, have you got a favorite, a favorite song? A favorite song? Oh, The Lark Ascending. I love that song, The Lark Ascending. Have you ever listened to that? I haven't. No, I'm actually going to go and check it out. Honestly, go check it out. The Lark Ascending. I tell you what, it, it is fantastic. It's a brilliant song. Well, it's not a song. It's a, it's a what is it? An, an ensemble? I don't know. It's a, it's a track, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually quite like um, like movie soundtracks as well. So if, if I like a soundtrack that's from a, a movie, I tend to check it out. And it always, always seems to be down as classical, but it is quite... Um, up, it can be quite at least upbeat and emotional as well. So yeah, yeah I, I do. I, I do tend to get them from movies. Yeah, all loads of movies are all like classic. There's a lot of classical music in most movies, isn't there? I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I love, I love, I do love classical music. But you're right. There's some good classical movie soundtracks. I like the Last Samurai. That's a good classical. Ah, all right. Music. Have you ever seen the film The Last Samurai? I have seen it, yeah, yeah. That's got a good soundtrack when you listen to it, yeah. I feel like I'm just about to go into some kind of samurai war when I'm listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, yeah, th- thanks for being a guest on the show, Simon. Really appreciate you taking the time, and I- I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for having me.